In 20 minutes, we play GTFO or Oh Yeah, plus some super contest picks and lightning bets before we wrap up the show as well. Alongside Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth, I'm Chris Mack. In for Joe Ostrowski today, tomorrow, and Monday. And yes, plenty of NFL to talk about. We've been all over the Thursday night game and the rest of Sunday's slate. But you know what happens between Thursday and Sunday? It's conference championship weekend in college football. So we bring in our guy, college football analyst Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter, where those infographics, I like to use that word because it makes me sound smart, Parker, those infographics, they are my Bible before I sit down to watch games and try to handicap them. So much information, so many numbers, and I love it all. And here's the thing. I look at those things, and not once this year have I thought about the possibility of a Pac-12 title game between the Ducks and the Huskies where Oregon on a neutral field is favored by nine and a half. Am I crazy or is the world crazy? It's one of those weird things, man, where we're just, it's been the consensus, even after they played that game, that Oregon has been the better team. I had Oregon favored by a touchdown in Seattle. And, you know, they just, uh, uh, some negative variants on a couple finished drives there. And uh, they've honestly looked like the better team. Washington's offense, like one, put aside, put everything about Michael Penix, maybe feeling sick under the weather the last couple weeks. We'll put that in a box. That's important to remember. But the, the, their offense has still been great. They're fifth in EPA per play. Uh, and Oregon's is second. So two of the best offenses in the nation here. And that's adjusting for opponent. The difference in this game and why I have Oregon favored again um, is that Oregon's defense has been eighth in EPA per play. Washington's is down to 28th. Specifically, Washington, 15th in EPA per pass, but they're 67th in the FBS, in EPA per rush. What does Oregon like to do? Well, they want to rush with, with Irving. They want to, they want to be uh, multidimensional on offense. Oregon, fifth in EPA per pass, fifth in EPA per rush. So present a very, very balanced attack against the Washington defense, which is really the, you know, the roughest unit on the field. That being said, gets to 10. Maybe I'm interested in Washington here. Uh, that's a very big spread for a game that's, that's very competitive. You know, Washington's been able to coast um, and hopefully get Michael Penix right. I think Oregon's very clearly the better team, but as we saw, Washington is capable of scoring at will on almost anyone, and they're going to really put the pressure on Oregon to finish drives, which is what decided the first game. So I'm not, I, I'm, I have this by about five, given the Penix news and, and kind of what's been going on. I'm not as interested in Oregon as a favorite, but man, we, we hit 10 at some places, and, and I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on Washington there. No, that, that makes a whole lot more sense. And, uh, you know, Parker, if you want to reset real fast, since I know we're having a couple of audio issues, uh, I'll give you a chance to do that. Uh, but in the meantime, I think one of the big storylines when we're talking about uh, championship week, and certainly in the ACC, we're talking about this a great bit, in terms of what to do with Florida State. They are two and a half point favorites against Louisville. Uh, but then also, too, you look at the American. Uh, SMU will be without Preston Stone. And so that number has moved a little bit uh, in SMU's direction. But uh, Tulane, a three and a half point favorite here. And it is something where, uh, Parker, when we're talking about uh, what to do with these two games, when you have quarterbacks where there's very little data to go off of, uh, how do you make those necessary adjustments? Do you just uh, consider them, say, replacement level quarterbacks? Do you go back to recruiting numbers, things like that? What do you do about SMU and Florida State without their star quarterbacks? It's very hard to know what to do there. 
Um, and I think it's interesting because I wouldn't treat those two teams the same. SMU's strength this season has actually been their defense. Their offense is 64th in EPA per play. So uh, pretty, you know, it's, it's not the SMU of the last couple of years where they are high flying and dropping 70 on everybody. They have scored a little bit, but I think the prototype for SMU in this game with or without Stone is to... Uh, muck things up, kind of get into that, you know, Oklahoma game uh, earlier this season where they're able mm-hmm. to stop that offense and then and then score enough to keep it sort of close-ish. But um, so, you know, Stone to me, I, I have SMU favored outright if we had all season data and a healthy Stone. Without Stone, I'm going to stay away from a side here because I just don't know how much I can trust SMU's offense. I like an under there because that's going to put more emphasis on SMU's strength. Um, on the other hand, when we talk about Florida State, their offense has absolutely been the driver of this team. They're seventh, and a lot of what they've succeeded at is um, Jordan Travis improvising and creating and finding Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson downfield, uh, bolstered by a really good running attack with Benson there. So uh, it, it's going to matter a little bit more for Florida State. I think Florida's tackling last week did Florida State a lot of favors. I'm not sure Louisville is going to make those mistakes. So I'd actually, um, whereas in the SMU game, I'm not interested in a side, but a total. For this game, I actually like Louisville's the underdog because Travis is so important to what Florida State wants to do on offense. Parker, I want to get to Georgia, Alabama, and Alabama just barely beat Auburn. So that was a little bit of a scare for them. This spread at six and a half, total 54 and a half. I'm curious what you like in this one. And is there any chance Alabama could beat Georgia? And then what would happen with the committee if that (laughs) happens? Um, well, I think I think the first thing that stands out to me about that is it's very funny that what we have in front of us is still on the table for Georgia to go one and two against Alabama and still win three national championships in a row. Uh, in the sense of college football hilarity, that's got to be up there on the scale, right? Um, I've got this by you know Georgia by about four, a sixty percent win probability there, and I think a couple things really really stand out that that are going to be. Um, decisive in favor in favor of Georgia here. One we saw last week, Jalen Milrow was pressured 15 times. Auburn made him very uncomfortable and said, we know you want to run the dink and bomb. You want to hit the short pass or you want to hit something super long. You can't really thrive in those intermediate areas. And what I like about uh, what Auburn did was, you know, just kind of set up and said, we're going to be disruptive on the offensive line. Um, and we're going to make you make those intermediate throws, except for one play that worked out pretty well last week for them. So I think Georgia will be able to create more havoc up front. I think that you can't put too much stock in what Georgia did against Georgia Tech. Obviously, McConkey and um, Bowers were out. They were, you know, riding, riding a little bit uh, and, and taking a breather there. Um, I think Georgia will be able to have a lot of offensive wrinkles, given that they found an identity with Bowers out and have him back. And I think that their offense will be able to score um, in a way that they can't. That being, or in a way that um, Alabama necessarily can't. That being said, one thing to really look at here is that Carson Beck has been pressured on only 21.4% of, uh, of dropbacks there. Um, Jalen Milrow pressured on 40%. So if Alabama, you know, you look at Dallas Turner on the edge, if Alabama can create some havoc, get Beck uncomfortable, he's young, he's inexperienced, he's grown a lot this year, but you can't let him sit back there. So I think Alabama's, um, 
edge rushing ability should should really be able to disrupt a little bit there. And that's kind of Alabama's path to win. But I have this as uh, Alabama at 17th in, in raw EPA per play margin, Georgia at 11th. Um, and I think that the decisive uh, factor in this game is just going to be that Georgia will be able to make Milrow have to improvise more and, and get him off script. And that really favors the Bulldogs. College football analyst Parker Fleming with us here on BetQL Daily. Let me let me take a step back and take more of a 50,000-foot view of the CFP picture here, Parker. Um, if Alabama wins, they're in. Um, they'll have beaten Georgia, SEC champ, only one loss. But that one loss will have come at the hands of the Longhorns, who 14.5-point favorites, I believe it is, against Oklahoma State on Saturday afternoon. So let's say it comes down to that. Let's say we're looking at a, at a at a playoff picture where one loss Bama has beaten Georgia for the SEC title. One loss Georgia has only that one loss in the last two years, but it just came to Bama. And you've got Texas sitting there was a one loss Big 12 champ, but they beat Bama. I wrap my head around this and whether we're taking the four best teams or we're taking the four most deserving teams. I am of the opinion that everything the committee has done from the first ranking until now is entirely for show is entirely TV ratings, um, you know, and just just content and really doesn't have bearing on the future. Um, I I do think it's possible Texas gets left out in that scenario. I don't think they should. But I you know, I'm not going to advocate for that too loudly being a uh, TCU grad who lived through 2014, 2011, 2010, TCU didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, hate to, hate to see it. Right. But realistically, I think that the the biggest thing the committee is going to do is select whoever plausibly they can, that's going to have the biggest, uh, viewership and the most compelling matchup. So that leads more towards best. And if there's any backlash about who gets left out, they're going to say, Hey, tune in next year. We have 12 teams. Like this won't be a problem. That's going to be, that's why we're doing this and, and be able to hype that up there. So I think that if Georgia doesn't win, the SEC, they should not get it. Um, I think that, you know, that, that, that's going to be really, really hard. I think that if you're Texas, you're just rooting for uh, no upsets this weekend and and trying to sneak in there and making sure you fend off Oregon. Um, I guess Louisville would be an upset. You need, you need Louisville to win there uh, just to clear the lane a little bit, but it is, it is murky. Um, Brian Fremo, I'm sure you guys know on, on Twitter, BCF toys has uh, uh, is his website. He's got a little graphic about the possibilities. I was clicking through this morning just before I got on. That is, it is fun to check out about, you know, what's the probability we get a one loss champion uh, or, or X number of um, undefeated champions. It's very, very murky. And I think the committee's not going to stay up too late at night sweating about it because they're just going to say, hey, next year there's 12. So it doesn't matter. Well, and, and to follow up on that, you can now bet on playoff exactas, uh, seeing the favorite being Georgia, Michigan, Oregon and Florida State at plus 185. Georgia, Mission, Oregon, and Texas. That's at plus 270 with the second shortest odds. I'm curious, you know, if, if the belief is true that all of these rankings up to this point were for show, uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense because it's very easy to, you know, twist and, and manipulate arguments uh, leading up to the final week. Yet at the same time, we've never seen a team uh, go from, say, seven or worse up into the top four we have seen a six before get into the top four and i believe ohio state did that uh the very first year sorry to bring that up my apologies uh but when it comes to say like betting on exactas if say that's a market uh worth looking into 
are there any weird possibilities? Is there, say, some random team uh, that could be left out or could sneak back in, say, like an Ohio State or like an Alabama or something like that? Yeah, so it's it's tough. Um, I, I do think that the committee's being a little bit coy. Texas is going to get, if they win this weekend, they'll have another top 20 win. So I think they'll jump Ohio State very easily. And then if Florida State and Oregon uh, lose, and maybe even Washington, Texas could, you know, the lane would be pretty clear for them to pass one of those as well. Um, I, I think that, it, you know, looking at Texas is really the one I've thought of the most about because I do have futures on them to win the national championship. Um, and thinking about, okay, do I want to hedge this weekend? I um, uh, also have Oklahoma State to win the Big 12 at like plus 6,500 at a very small, very small amount. So I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm waiting in, in murky waters this, this season. But um, yeah, I think with, with Texas here, I think you might start thinking less about an exacta and more about um, bet them to make the playoffs in addition to winning this weekend like instead of a money line this weekend you probably get better odds for making the playoffs and then what you can do is you know start to hedge against them in the in the playoff as well so that's kind of my position there um i think in terms of exacta there's there's too many plausible combinations that you're probably better off uh getting a pencil and paper and just you know betting money lines instead of betting the exacta and tying yourself in to you know multiple events happening uh, overall um but the, the, yeah, I think the most interesting, I've seen Texas at like plus 900 uh, or something, even at this point to win the national championship. So you could potentially get back in there and then go money line against them and, and then survive in the playoff as well. Parker Fleming, college football analysis at Stats O War on Twitter. Great stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, man, even a deep dive down into uh, well the, the Conference USA and Sunbelt pictures available if you go to parker's twitter and some of those great uh graphs that he cooks for you every single week thanks again man we appreciate the time thanks for having me guys parker fleming again at Statso war on uh twitter and and x and i i just I, this is the hard part for me guys like if a team beats another team at some point during the regular season that should matter I understand that at this point in the year, Alabama has become a better team than Texas. I, 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 especially if they beat Georgia, they will they will prove that they are a better team than Texas, especially as Jalen Milrow has come around. But that shouldn't matter. Like when we break ties in the NFL or in Major League Baseball or the NBA or anywhere else in the world, we go, well, this team beat that team. So they get the advantage. They get to go to the playoffs instead of Team B. In college football, we still make it this subjective eye test as much as we lean into trying to make it more objective, Aaron, by adding more teams to the playoff or building conference championship games. If Texas and Bama are in some sort of situation where it's one or the other and they both got one loss in their conference champs, I go Texas. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that I'm looking forward to next year. I think this whole setup is weird. I find it annoying how (laughs) it just seems like maybe not the most deserving teams are getting in. It's just by the record. I'm honestly kind of sick of it. I'm I'm ready for a change. (laughs) (laughs) But aren't we going to argue about team number 13, though? Like next year, we're we're still going to do this. We're always going to find something to argue with. Yeah. You're yeah, right. exactly. Like we argue about team number 69 in college basketball every year. Like it's just going to happen. Right.
Yeah, it, it feels like, especially in a year where we've got four undefeated teams, that maybe it sets up well for the committee. But again, only one of those, or one of those four teams, a dog, in fact, in Washington, Oregon, which might be the most interesting of all these matchups this weekend, aside from Bama, Georgia. Coming up, back into the NFL uh, as we take a look at some contest picks and GTFO or oh yeah. Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski today, tomorrow, and Monday. Alongside Ed Egross and Aaron Hawksworth, this is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. And, of course, inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download it today. Take us with you. Get us in podcast form after we're done as well. Every weekday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash BetQL or YouTube. Check out the Odyssey Sports Channel. So we get into some contest picks and back into the NFL in just a moment. But this this is my first chance. This is our first chance, Ed, the two of us to work together, which yeah. means it's the first time I've had a chance to bludgeon you over the head with my really moronic game of GTFO or Oh Yeah, where Paul will present us with an opinion and we will either say GTFO or Oh, yeah. And just a reminder. With that delivery, right? Like, exactly with that delivery. Like, there can't be any kind of, you know, ambiguity. Well, there is is some ambiguity, and this is Aaron's favorite part, in how you respond. If you are an oh, yeah, on whatever item (laughs) Paul should toss, soft toss our direction, you could could be a mild oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Or you could you could be a okay. somewhat excited, oh yeah, like the Kool Aid Man okay. busting through the wall, oh yeah, yeah. Or if you're really <laughs> super jazzed about the idea, like it's the best thing you think you've ever heard, you are permitted to go full Randy Macho Man Savage over the top, oh yeah. And that's that's always the opposite end of the spectrum here. So the gtfos or oh yes did remember his oh yeah that gave us the creeps yeah that was weird it was more like so do you remember the the, oh yeah do you remember the 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 ken kniff skits on m&m cds back in the day oh no no oh yeah oh yeah Super creepy. He coaches Little League uh. baseball. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just what it sounded like. It's just what it sounded like. It's not on my bingo card. Oh, <laughs> For today. <Right? laughs> oh, yeah, kids. Um, sorry. <laughs> this is what happens with GTFO or oh, These yeah. These are the Quickly worst devolved. defensive drills I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, put us back uh, on the rails, please. Uh, I'll do my best. Never, okay. never easy with this crew. Uh, speaking of, no though, way. real quick, just a little side <laughs> note. Uh, BCF Toys, which uh, Parker mentioned for like projections for the for these college games, he has points against for the Michigan Iowa game. So Iowa's points at negative one, which I just love, and it's incredible and amazing. And you can bet under a half. Uh, point for Iowa in each half if you so choose. Uh, it's just terrible football. Don't even play the game. Speaking of college, a game that we are all looking forward to tomorrow night. I hope it's a good game. Um, point spread indicates it might not be, but with this Washington-Oregon game and looking at the Heisman, GTFO or oh yeah, if you think Washington can beat Oregon, 
you're better off just betting Michael Penix Heisman, which is now 16 to one at a lot of places than the Washington money line at three to one. And let's just say Penix runs it back, does what he did against Oregon in a 36, 33 win earlier this season, 302, four touchdowns pick, whatever. Uh, but 302 and four touchdowns and Washington wins 16 to one GTFRO. Yeah. Michael Penix is your Heisman winner. Mm, I'm going to say GTFO. I, I think the only path to Penix winning the Heisman still is he goes off against Oregon, which I don't have. Speaking of having things on your bingo card, I don't have that on my bingo card for Friday night. I don't have Penix going off to the tune of like 485 and five touchdowns and no picks and maybe running one in as well. Like I, I just don't see that happening against Oregon's defense. But that's the only path to Michael Penix winning the Heisman. Um, th- I think any kind of, I don't want to call it pedestrian, but any kind of middle of the road Michael Penix performance, Ed, lends itself, pushes us back, in a Washington victory, I should say, pushes us back towards the Jaden Daniels camp, which uh, is at 140, plus 140 right now. But that would also probably require Bo Nix having a multiple turnover game, I would think, at the very least, and losing to Washington. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with a mild GTFO. Uh, So what would be the delivery there? Uh, GTFO. You know, something like that, where I, uh, you know, sound a little wobbly, I guess. Yeah, yeah, a little little Urkel-esque, you know, get get the big glasses, (laughs) you know, hike up the pants, I suppose. That's a GTFO. I, I don't know if Penix can win the Heisman at all. I, I don't know, like, not disqualified, but I don't think there's a path for him anymore. I really don't. Because, first off, you look at the raw numbers, like, he's massively trailing, you know, the key guys. So that's the first problem. And then the second problem is, like, what Jaden Daniels has done is, you know, outright historic. It is something truly to behold. And even though LSU isn't playing this weekend, I still feel like that that is going to be hanging over the heads of a lot of Heisman voters to where they may have already made up their minds. There may be nothing that can happen Friday night that will get enough voters to change their minds. So you're dealing with a guy who may not even be taken seriously, number one. And then number two, he has to overwhelm everybody with that final game. And I'm just not sure there's enough time for him. Meanwhile, with Bo Nix, I think even an average game might help him win the Heisman here. Uh, it may not even be in a, in a winning effort, but I, but I mean, look, last year, Caleb Williams lost his last game, went on to win the Heisman. So certainly there's precedent for it. But I do think like even an average game for Bo Nix will lead us to believe that this is more of a legacy award than say what he did this one season. And some voters look at outcomes and campaigns that way. So to me, I think only two guys are eligible to win this thing, Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. GTFO. I think the only people that think Washington can beat Oregon are Husky alums, probably, who like to bet. Because I haven't heard one person making a strong case for the Huskies to beat the Ducks on a neutral field this weekend. I don't see it happening. I think you would take... Like, these are two quarterbacks going in completely different directions. I mean, all the analysts that we've had on this show have been talking about the Ducks offense and Bo Nix playing at elite level for at least a month now i think he's finally getting his respect 
I think it is his to win. I am not in the camp where I think that Washington can beat Oregon, and therefore this is a GTFO for me. No, oh yes. Mm, slightly disappointing, but you'll have that sometimes. Mm. Not every day can bring us a macho man two more level shows. of, oh yeah. Not two more shows. That's true. Yeah, right. yeah. That's true. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll have an opportunity. It, it will come, and perhaps it, it'll provide a lesson for Joe if he happens to be paying attention on his days off to how to well, properly address I, the oh yeah situation. I'm thinking <laughs> we should clip it and have it ready uh, for the rejoin the next time we do this segment because that was not a bad call. Hilarious. Just so like everyone can have their skin crawl a little bit. Yeah, this is how not to yeah. say oh yeah. <laughs> to anyone ever in any situation yeah yeah e- even if even you if like you're fries if jane fonda oh yeah yeah. Ooh, yeah uh even if jane fonda has brought you home you don't say oh yeah that way even if you're this close to, to closing the deal you don't give it the oh yeah that's just nobody even, wants to hear that even jane fonda would run from that yeah nope get out this is over yeah. <laughs> this, this is done. i don't i don't care if you're 20 and taking ed's class no absolutely not <laughs> be more like a oh no um okay <laughs> a, a more expansive gtfo or oh yeah perhaps tomorrow or monday but it, we, we wanted to get into the the super contest card um and we, i don't know we, we've seen some line moves as well on these, uh, but as, as 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 we look at the super contest card, Ed, um, crunch some of these for me. Tell me what because there's not a lot on this that like I jump at. There's in fact, uh, there's I don't think there's more than two maybe that I jump at on this entire card. There are some tough decisions to be made here. I found myself holding my nose a lot with a lot of these yeah. picks. And I'm disgusted with myself, to be honest, that I am wow. recommending uh, some of these sides. But you know what? It's the game you play, right? Like you you take the, the hand that you're dealt and you do the best you can with what you have. And that's what I'm doing here with my contest picks. So how about we just hold our nose and knock this out, shall we? Let's yeah. just start with the Patriots plus five and a half quarterback wow. situation what are you supposed to do with it i don't think the market knows how to react if uh you know assuming mac jones isn't the starting quarterback look bailey zappy's not any better in fact he might even be worse but what we did see last year when zappy came on is that they simplified the offense and i wonder if the coaches are going to put zappy in a better position to succeed maybe they're just doing too much uh, with too little once Mac Jones is out there. But with Zappy, maybe the simplified offense can work out, especially against a Chargers pass defense that we don't trust at all. The simplified offense, I think, can still be successful. And look, Keenan Allen has a quadricep injury. So if he's not 100%, then this passing attack, they're just bereft of warm bodies at this point. So I think the Patriots can at least uh, cover the five and a half. Next up, still holding my nose. <coughs> Jets plus two and a half. More of a fade of the Falcons than it is believing in Tim Boyle here. But let's go down memory lane and look at the quarterbacks who've beaten Atlanta, shall we? Kyler Murray in his first game back from injury. Josh Dobbs in his first game with the Vikings. Will Levis' first start. Sam Howell, who doesn't have it. 
and is constantly getting sacked. Desmond Ritter tied for third and turnover-worthy throw rate as well. He could just as easily succumb to the defense as, say, Tim Boyle can. So Jets plus two and a half, I think, is fine. Next up, mention this is my survivor play, so I'll go ahead and include it with my contest picks. Steelers minus five and a half, bigger issue uh, than firing Mant Canada. Maybe just having a healthy Pat Fryermuth. That close to a 35% target share in week 12. That hamstring injury, not that big of a deal anymore. And now it's a matter of incorporating Deontay Johnson and George Pickens to where you really do have a dynamic offense. Uh, also concerned as far as Arizona is concerned about targets they have outside of Trey McBride. So I think Steelers can cover the number. Next, Texans minus three and a half. Brad Spielberger cited this tweet yesterday. It's worth repeating again from Brett Coleman. Since week six, 25% of all drives against the Broncos defense have ended in a turnover. That is luck-based. That is not the Broncos being this phenomenal defense. No, they are just getting lucky at just the right time. So I'm laying the three in the hook. And finally, one more hold-your-nose bet. Bengals plus eight and a half. Are we overreacting to Jake Browning's first game? Is the market overreacting to a backup quarterback like it so often does? Look, if Bengals pass rushers accrue pressures, they will force Trevor Lawrence into some mistakes. I do think this Bengals defense can do just enough to keep them in the ball game. It's not, I think Jake Browning's going to be a great quarterback. I just think that we have seen some doves by Trevor Lawrence because that offensive line, they have a couple of great guys, but it is a weak league system. And so I do have some concerns there. So Bengals, Texans, Steelers, Jets, and Patriots. Aaron. Wow. Well, we have some disagreement here. So let's start with the Patriots <laughs> because they're going to lose by at least two touchdowns. Ed, the Patriots are tied for last in the NFL with wait for it. Only two covers this season. Now I do understand the Chargers defense is putrid to a word to use a word we like to <laughs> use on this show i do expect them to score some points but i don't think this is going to be close the patriots don't have a quarterback what do they have to play for they're we we talked about it yesterday are they tanking i don't really know but nothing's going their way i don't even think if bailey zappy plays well that they have the talent to compete against this chargers team so that is one i definitely disagree with yeah i i, I don't think i think i'm with aaron on the on the anti-patriot side here um just because i don't i don't suspect we're gonna see anything better with the quarterback change um, the other one, I told you guys my reasons for being hesitant on the Steelers laying as much as five and a half. Um, I'll be honest. I end up looking at more favorites this week. Like I like Dallas laying mm. nine. Uh, I like Miami even laying nine and a half against Washington. I think Detroit laying four against a Saints team that is tripping all over itself is a nice play as well. And you mentioned Houston, Ed. I like them as well. Laying the three and a half. The hook worries me. Um, but uh, I would go that direction. And then the, the last one I would probably throw in there, Philly getting two and a half. It may not always be pretty Ooh. this year, but Philly finds a way to win football games. And even on, even against that Niners defense, I think the Eagles find a way to, at the very least, play a real tight ball game. When we come back, we got some lightning bets for you. 
Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski alongside Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth right here on BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. In for Joe Ostrowski alongside Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth. Welcome back into BetQL Daily for Thursday, November 30th. I'll be with the guys again tomorrow and Monday as well. But we officially get week 13 of the NFL season underway tonight. It's a Thursday night game. The Seahawks visiting the Cowboys. We talked about that. Uh, Talked plenty about the college football conference championship picture this weekend as well. Plus, you got NBA. You got NHL. There's a lot going on. College basketball as well. So, let's give the people what they came for. Our lightning bets. Professor Egros, I let you get us started. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay, first off, uh, everything is going to be from Thursday Night Football. And first, I'm going to lay the points with the Cowboys. We mentioned this before, that it's not just that Dallas is nine points better than Seattle. It's more that Dallas wants to throttle any and all competition. And they will be able to do that against this rather injured and anemic defense by Seattle. You know, it's one of those things where Uchina Nuosu, when they lost him, it's real concerns about the Seahawks defensively. That has come to fruition, and certainly that's going to happen against the Cowboys, who are phenomenal against man coverage. So Seattle's already limited as far as what they can do coverage-wise. So I do like Dak Prescott to have a game, and I do think the Cowboys can cover the nine. As far as props are concerned, uh, first, another pro-Cowboys look over team total for Dallas over 25 28 and a half rather trend is good aggressiveness is good too I mentioned this stat before and I'll say it again among all quarterbacks all qualified quarterbacks who are playing with at least a win probability of 75 percent from next gen stats Dak Prescott has more pass attempts touchdowns and a higher completion percentage over expected than any other quarterback that will continue when the game is at, is in hand. So Cowboys over 28 and a half points. DK Metcalf over 21 and a half yards as his longest game. We mentioned that game script is such to where the Seahawks will have to pass a good bit more. And while I do love this coverage unit for Dallas, I do think Metcalf will be able to get one or two long receptions. And so I like him to go over the 21 and a half for his longest one. Not to mention, too, like Lockett isn't reliable. JSN hasn't panned out. Though that may not be entirely the rookie's fault. And so if the Seahawks do get back in this game somehow, it will be because of DK Metcalf. So I like a couple of bombs going his way. And then finally, Zach Charbonnet under 18 and a half receiving yards. Seahawks cannot kill by a thousand cuts. They do need Metcalf to try and keep up here. Charbonnet will be used more as a rusher than a pass catcher, and they may go other to run, go to other running backs as well. So I don't expect Charbonnet to be much of a pass catcher. So I have him going under 18 and a half receiving yards. Aaron, All right? Hmm. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going Dak over 280 and a half minus 13. I do think Dak can easily go over that. I am going to stay away from the spread because I actually think the Seahawks can cover. I know the Cowboys have been rolling, but I'm not sure I'm totally convinced. And I do think this is a level up in competition than they've been used to seeing. So I would not be shocked if the Seahawks cover the number. 
but I'm just going to stay away for that reason. And then on the other side of the ball, let's go Geno Smith over nine and a half rushing yards. I think he'll be running for his life. My only fears are could be negative. <laughs> he could end the game with minus one, but I'll take my chances and go over nine and a half, Chris, for Geno Smith. I like that. The the running for the life quotient uh, could definitely come into play tonight for the Seahawks. Um, Ed already laid out the reasoning for one of the ones that I really like. Um, we talked about it all morning. Joe Osborne brought it up from Covers.com when he joined us in the second hour of the show. Dallas, they, they want to win with style points against inferior opponents. They are going to run up the score if given the opportunity. Uh, so over the team total of 28 and a half, I really like uh, the Cowboys tonight to hit that number. I like another one Joe mentioned as well. First half spread for the Cowboys, minus six and a half. And I like the team's, uh, the, the game spread as well, pardon me. Uh, full game spread at minus nine. So give me Dallas first half, minus six and a half. Dallas for the game, minus nine as well. Part of the game script conversation that we had earlier Ed brought this up. The Seahawks working from behind. Geno's attempts, 33-and-a-half, 34-and-a-half. I just found them at at BetMGM. I'll go over. I think he's going to have to chuck it uh, to try and keep Seattle in this game. And one more, an anytime touchdown score. It's minus 140, but I like it anyway because he scored in three straight games. And he's got five touchdowns in the last five games. C.D. Lamb, anytime touchdown score, minus 140 right now at BetMGM. Those are my Thursday night football plays. I do have one NHL play. I always got to shout out my guy, Chris Otto, at PSU Otto, who does a great job of breaking down um, period-by-period scoring in the NHL. And if you look at what he's got cooked up through last night's games, and we've got a a stuffed slate tonight across the NHL. Uh, First period to score in the first 10 minutes. St. Louis, Seattle, Chicago have all done it 11 times in their first 13 games. So I'm going to parlay both the Kraken and the Blues to score in the first period tonight. That's plus 153. Staying away from the Blackhawks because who knows how things are going with the whole Corey Perry situation now that he's been dismissed from the team, how they react to that. Did they bring it together? Are they all trying to figure out what Corey Perry did. What kind of mess is going on in Chicago? I don't know. I'm not going to touch them, though. But give me Seattle and St. Louis parlayed to each score in the first period at plus 153. Polly, you got anything for us? Oh, pain. Pain. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. It. Not after last Thursday where... I just like watching Gino trip over himself at the goal line over his running back's feet and just like not able to do anything. Like as much as I want to take the nine, can't do it. Can't do it. As someone once said, uh, shout out Mike Singletary. Wouldn't be prudent. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, but I will say like, as you guys were talking about contest picks, I think I might go with the adopt ugly dogs strategy this week and just nah, it's not a strategy. Never mind. Nix that word. But like the Seahawks would fit that if you're just trying to be dependent again where you are in your pool, kind of ground you're trying to make up, but like the Panthers would fit in that, the Patriots Patriots gross would fit in that, the Cardinals would fit into that. Um so if the Seahawks could fit into that situation. How about some touchdown scores? And then I want to throw something out at you. 
So I mentioned this last week on Thanksgiving game. It didn't work out for Logan Thomas, but the Cowboys have allowed. They are tied for the most touchdowns allowed to tight ends. So if you want to throw a couple bombs out there, and like the Seahawks play tight end roulette, so you're kind of buying a bundle. A little frustrating. Noah Fant is their main snap, getting the most snaps recently. Colby Parkinson for the season does have the most. It's DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Colby Parkinson as far as red zone targets on the Seahawks. Touchdown for Noah Fant, 7-1. First touchdown is 41-1. Colby Parkinson touchdown is 15-1. First touchdown is 90-1. Throw a little pizza and beer money on those. Uh, looking at JSN too, like there's like again flashes. We just haven't seen it consistently enough. So I've got a if if we're going Seahawks comeback trail blowout sort of script. Can someone just stack some yards late, like a JSN eighty plus at plus four twenty five or DK or Tyler Tyler Lock Lockett's numbers down there too in the forties for the game. So like if you could go an alternate uh receiving yards on him, you could go eighty plus at plus three fifty. DK obviously probably the highest total. So yeah, eighty plus for him is two to one. Interest anyone in any sort of yards alt prop in a comeback scenario. I'm leaning towards JSN just because it's the best number. Yeah. <sighs> I What's could not. No. Lockett is intriguing, but I don't know right. if I can go all the way to, what'd you say, 80? Is it what? I feel like 80s, like 80, you're getting some three to one. 70 plus for him, you're getting plus 225. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's tempting on Lockett at 70 plus, but I still don't know if. Although, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll ride with you, Paul. I'll ride with you at 70 right. plus. How about that? Okay. Okay. Because you know what? Seattle's going to have to throw. There you go. Mm -hmm, Tyler Lockett, 70 plus, plus 225. I can live with that. Professor Egros is not pleased. Professor Egros is not pleased. F's F's across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Yes. Everyone has to uh, come hang out at office hours because uh, everyone needs a, a talking to as far as uh, you know process and well, how to move forward with our if, grades and such. If the sub is there, then the boys will be lined up <laughs> around the corner looking at you, Hawk. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Dykstra, uh, you got any bets? Nah, Double not D. today. No, right. okay. it's, a tough, it's a tough day. Tough day. Yeah, yeah we we were all thrown off very early by the Jane Fonda news. I'll be honest; that kind of yeah. put things on tilt very, very early. And we've just been working to find our sea legs since then to get back on track. But I, 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 th- I think you know, you're I think muted, you're Aaron. muted, Aaron, too. Um, so that's gonna... I remember me. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say I'm glad I like to uh, make you guys uncomfortable. So I feel like I did my. Well, job I was, today. I was yeah. pro. Uh, Loosen things up. Can, are, can I can I throw one more touchdown possibility to you guys? Dallas defense sure. first touchdown at twenty five to Ooh. one. I don't know. Or last. All the Geno Smith, like, you know, mumbles and fumbles and all that stuff, or he picks six. Mumbles. Is that how Dallas just gets that first score and then this game gets boring real fast? Can we see oh. that? Oh. 
I think I might need that, that thing in my life. Launch. Even with just, yeah. with not a lot riding on there, like the pizza and beer money, yeah. as Paul would call it. That's right. Oh, quarter of a unit. I or might less, be in on that one. Twenty-five to one. At twenty-five I to I, one, I, why not? I wouldn't do any time, but first one I think is good. Yeah, definitely value there. One eighty-eight anytime. All right. Uh, if they'll allow me back, I'll be back tomorrow filling in for Joe Ostrowski. I'm Chris Mack. Thanks to Ed Egros. Thanks to Aaron Hawksworth. Thanks to Double D on the board. Brian for producing the video. Thanks to Paul for trying to keep us on the rails. We will do it again tomorrow <laughs> at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live right here on the BetQL Network, BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM.